nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 95 I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, joined as per usual by Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. We're recording after the win over the Brooklyn Nets. Fellas, how are we doing? Doing really good. Uh, not only because of the Nets win, but right after I immediately messaged you guys, because we had about a couple hours after the game, I said, I'm going to go grill some victory brats. I can su- say that we successfully made it happen. This is only the second time in my life I've used charcoal grill. And the only other time is I did it prior to a Brewers game, didn't get the coal to light. So I had to like go and jack somebody else's grill and use it like a total a-hole. And then at the game, somebody stole the grill. So I didn't have a great <laughs> initial charcoaling <laughs> charcoal grill experience. This one went way better. So I'm a good mood because of that good mood because of the wind. So it's all thumbs up around here. So wait, have you just used gas like all the time? Yeah, we when. Growing up, my parents just had like a, like, not even a Weber. I don't even know what it was, but it was just like a propane grill, essentially, that we just use in the back. And it was fine. Um, and we would do like grilling every once in a while when like family cookouts and stuff, somebody else would use it, but we just never did it. So I never, and like I said, first time was such a bad experience. I was like, oh, I'm never going to charcoal grill again. That's just not for me. But now it is maybe potentially. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say we've, I've always grown up with the charcoal grill. And I think the only time I had gas was when I lived in apartments. And I don't mind gas. It's a lot easier. It's like it takes no time at all to get started. Like I do appreciate that, but I don't know. There's something about charcoal that really just makes everything. It just makes everything seem better. I don't know. Maybe it's the smell of the smoke. I don't know, but I can't complain over here. The weather has been beautiful. Shout out global warming. It was like 80 something degrees today <laughs> and yesterday. Got to see a Ford Madison match for the first time in like 580 something days. And the child got to play with the kiddie pool. So that was kind of hilarious to see him splash around as well. So yeah, good weekend. Good weekend. How about you, Adam? We're, we're having good weekends. Did you have a good weekend? I know you were vigilant covering the, uh, the bulls game for everybody. So that was kind of a low note to start the weekend, but was the rest of your weekend nice? Yeah, it was, um, Friday night covered the bulls game. And (laughs) I mean, hopefully everyone read that, you know, scintillating (laughs) recap that I posted. Um, I, We'll check the clicks later. Uh, for uh, Saturday, did um, tried my hand at making a thing called a burgoo, which is a, a Kentucky stew for the Kentucky Derby. I'm not really into the Derby, but I am into cooking. So the stew is like I started it by throwing in sausage with peppers, and I take that out, and then I threw in a chicken, and I cooked that. Then I took that out, and then I threw in ribs and a chuck roast. I cooked those for a long time, and then I throw all the meat back in with like other veggies and beans and stuff anyway it turned out pretty good it was it was a fun experience uh, my buddy came over and made some mint juleps for the derby 
Um, so I'm glad we didn't record Sunday morning. And <laughs> now we are, uh, you know, enjoying our evening after a, a proper Milwaukee Bucks win. Very good. Did your did your horse that you picked win the Kentucky Derby? I don't even know who won the Derby. No, it didn't. I think it got 13th. Okay. So oh, that's, that's fitting. That's fitting. In the, in the long course of history, that's fitting. I honestly didn't realize the Kentucky Derby was yesterday until Aaron Rodgers was at the Kentucky Derby and he was asked about all the shit that happened on Thursday with him reportedly wanting to leave. That is the first time I realized, oh, the Kentucky Derby is today. Otherwise, I don't give a shit about the Kentucky Derby. We don't have to get to because we'll leave all the uh, Rogers talk to our compatriots over at Acme Packing Company, but felt a little strange for everything to go down. And then he shows up at the Kentucky Derby. I was like, this is like a weird simulation we're living in that he's he's like there with a whole crew at the Derby. We don't have to get too much into it. But I just thought that was kind of like if Giannis, if it had come out that Giannis is like, I want out. And then he was at the Kentucky Derby. I'm like, what is happening? Like, are we sh- like, is this all a lie? A giant smoke screen? Like another, is this a part of the Bogdanovich smoke screen? That's what I would have thought. <laughs> It was just a dumb, like, everyone's freaking out. I'm just like, if he leaves, he leaves. If he stays, he stays. Like, I'm completely indifferent with the whole situation. That's the proper attitude to have. One guy who was indifferent after a big win was Giannis Antetokounmpo. (laughs) Despite the fact he took down the Brooklyn Nets, he said repeatedly after the game, this means nothing, this means nothing. And to me, yeah, technically it means nothing, but it was one hell of an enjoyable game to watch. I have to say the, the, the both of the Nets games this year have probably been two of my favorite games so far this year, for sure. So the Bucks win 117 to 114, just a monster night from Giannis, 49 points, eight rebounds, four assists, a career high, 36 field goal attempts, which is just absolutely bonkers. Chris Middleton in a funk, no longer for this one, 26 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Drew Holiday, 18 points. Kevin Durant sort of goes toe-to-toe with Giannis, ends up with 42 points on 33 shots. Kyrie Irving, not quite as hot of a night for him. 8 of 21 shooting, 20 points. Uh, But the name of the game for this one was Giannis' performance, Riley, and it was uh, every bit of an MVP performance as we could want. It was. um, I'm trying to pull up the box score from the previous Nets game as well, because I I believe James Harden and Kevin Durant were in for that Kyrie Irving was out. So a little bit of a shame that we didn't get the full like big three experience for Brooklyn. They haven't really had that at all for the season. But I remember in the aftermath of that game saying like, you know, they're going to have a really tough time if DeAndre Jordan's their main defensive guy, because like he has to try and sort of dual cover both Giannis and Brooke, depending on how it works out. And tonight he focused almost exclusively on Giannis. And I thought, I don't agree with Mark Jackson about a lot, but he had a comment. He was, when Giannis was really going, he had gotten like to 32 points. He's like, if I'm Giannis, I'm like, this guy couldn't even defend me in his prime. Definitely not now when he's like (laughs) on the way out or whatever. I'm like, that's probably exactly the mentality Giannis has to have. And, And the thing that was the best part about the whole Giannis stretch was, um, Yes, I I think Van said it best in the group chat. He was objectively hot, like he was making a lot of jumpers. But the thing that was critical about it was, was they were all open jumpers. There was no real like contested look. There were a couple in the paint itself, but he's always been very good at that. But like he got in the mid range or from three or whatever, he was confident, got a lot of openings. And ultimately, the best part was his teammates kept going to him. I think we've seen times in the past where Either he will, because he's a good teammate and this is, it's a long season, he'll defer to like, oh, okay, 
Now I've had a lot of possessions. Now let's get it to Chris. Let's get it to Drew. Kick it out. Whatever it happens to be. And he did do that to Bryn, who got a wide open three, and it paid off there. But the team made it a point of every single time down, either get the ball, let it to Giannis's hands, let him walk it up the court, or just get it to him right away on the perimeter or like right inside the perimeter. And so um, that was probably the thing that I enjoyed the most was yes, he was objectively hot, but the team around him recognized that and they didn't say we're going to try and stick to our principles that Giannis is still a big part of, but we want to get everybody else involved. It's like, if they're not going to do anything about it, if they if literally everybody's going to stand there and just watch DeAndre Jordan get buried by Giannis, we're just going to let that happen. Let's just keep going to that. And they came out of a timeout. They went right back to it. There was like between the quarters, they went right back to Giannis. And that was the best part about it was Giannis was himself and everybody else, um, played in a way to enable him to continue to be himself and get up to 49 points and beyond. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because in that first quarter, Giannis, Chris, and Drew were the only players on the Bucks to score. No one else had chipped in any points, which was good to see that your three best players are stepping up. They're making the plays. They're making the baskets that they needed to. But it was also kind of a, okay, how concerned should we be that no one else is, you know, contributing how concerning is it that no one can buy a basket and Milwaukee in the first half well particularly in the first quarter they were just very sloppy despite all that there's a lot of turnovers there's just a lot of just not great basketball so even and then when it got down 14 it was kind of one of those okay might be one of those games maybe Milwaukee gets back into it a little bit later but it's this is where people's concerns about Brooklyn were completely valid, especially a Brooklyn team with Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant and James Harden is going to be a lot tougher to deal with than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But they're still a very talented team. They still have guys that can make shots. They still had Joe Harris, who, if you leave him open for half a second, is going to be able to hit threes. So it was very much a... The concerns made sense, but Giannis was just feeling and cooking the whole time. And, you know, some of those shots, they don't go in. But when he's hitting those mid-range shots and then he's then confidently shooting those threes, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, yeah, DeAndre Jordan could not stop Giannis. I don't think anyone on that court was going to stop Giannis, especially with how he was playing. Giannis was in a whole nother zone that I don't think I've seen in terms of his shooting since the Lakers home win last season, just how confident and how much in a rhythm he was in hitting those shots. And then they tried throwing Brooke, Lope, not Brooke, Lope, Blake Griffin, who's a dirty ass bum. They tried <laughs> throwing him at Giannis. That didn't work. Kevin Durant at times was kind of covering Giannis. That didn't work. Just no matter who you threw out there, Giannis is going to get those baskets. And that was good to see. And, you know, it was a takeover from Giannis, especially in that third quarter where he just said, I'm just going to do it all. Everyone get out of my way. And, you know, if you can chip in, great, but I got this. I think the thing, the one of the things about this game was we'll see in this sort of series. I wonder if there's going to be a series that Giannis is going to put up crazy numbers. This is going to be the team that they play against because I think even at full health, like I was saying, they don't really have necessarily the personnel to help out. And in previous years, it would be like, oh, throw a, a a double or a wall at Giannis, and he's going to struggle to do anything besides like turnover or like, you know, enact a charge or whatever it is. And in this season, 
he seems a lot more in control and capable of getting to teammates or slowing down, even if a double goes at him. There were a couple times, like late in the game, where Brooklyn did throw a couple doubles, and Giannis would just pick up the ball calmly. He would either wait until the guy who was doubling like had to walk back to his assignment and then go at like Jeff Green, I think, late in the fourth quarter, or he would pass out of it to an open teammate. And so they it, it might not be enough if Giannis is going supernova over the course of a seven-game series because the talent for Brooklyn, especially among the big three, is such that it might be able to outpace him anyhow. But I think of all the like the contender Eastern Conference teams you can think of, this is the one where it's going to be essentially Giannis doing all the heavy lifting as he should, and that would be amazing to see him rise to that occasion. Um, and we'll just have to see about his supporting cast, especially Chris and Drew, whether or not they can sort of just keep up they don't have to do a leading role, just be available. And Chris tonight, especially, a lot of catch and shoot, tough shots down the stretch. He stopped the bleeding when it was like a six-point game, brought the Bucks right back into it. So if his supporting cast can do that and keep things afloat, I think Giannis should come out of this game and hopefully uh, Tuesday's game as well, confident that he can put up crazy numbers against the store team because they just don't really have anything for him. Yeah, Brooklyn definitely doesn't have the defense to counter Giannis. They have the firepower. They have the firepower to counter Giannis. They don't have the defense to counter Giannis. So that's, yeah, Riley, you're right. If, you know, Chris and Drew, Brooke, Dante, if they can chip in, I mean, not a lot of people outside of Chris and Drew really did much offensively for Milwaukee. Granted, when they did, it was clutch moments. Like Bryn Forbes in the second quarter was hitting some key shots. Pat Connaughton hit the three late. P.J. Tucker had a three. But... Yeah, it's kind of funny looking at the box score and seeing all the non-Giannis and Chris Drew uh-huh. point totals. It's like, okay, well, you take it. Good, thank you, Brent Forbes, I guess. Mm-hmm. The use, I just looked up the usage rate for Giannis. It was 48.5% for this game. <laughs> that feels about right. That that's, just, that's one of those times where it, it matches the eye test. 48% feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. This one was... Uh, it, you know, to underline what you guys were saying in the first quarter, even if you look at it, only two field goal attempts were taken by anyone other than Chris, Giannis, and Drew. So it's just so clearly leading on the big three. That's been my big thing. I, I as the season has gone on, I've grown incredibly, incredibly wary of the Bucks' ability to keep up with Brooklyn. I just thought the firepower might be too potent. And at least for today, I think. They certainly showed that they're capable of keeping up for it. They won, no duh. But the Bryn, For- Bryn Forbes hitting his shots was huge. But I-, I do think the defensive end of the floor, you know, they give up a – Brooklyn has a 110.5 offensive rating, which is, you know, right about at the Bucks season average, actually, um, which I think has to be considered a huge win. You look at what the Nets are shooting. If you look at their three-point percentage, 40.5%, that's not an outlier either sort of way. It's right about at their season average, which was at 42. Joe Harris goes one of five, which like probably won't happen again. Kyrie goes two of eight. But in aggregate, it worked out pretty much to how you would expect. And I did feel like in this one, Bud, we didn't have Bobby Portis in this one, which made it kind of interesting. I'm curious if he'll be back for Tuesday and how the rotation will work. But Bud was not shy about putting P.J. Tucker out there and going to small ball lineups. We saw it. I would say most the most use that we've seen of it so far in terms of the small ball lineups, you're not going to stop Kevin Durant, but Tucker annoyed the hell out of him all game, which is exactly what you want out of someone. And I thought the defense was really impressive. There was so little overhelping. Like I, I, I fully expected basically Joe Harris is going to shoot like 
go six of eight on three pointers in every single game where the Nets play. I, I felt like there was very little of that. Even the the like the weak side help from guys like Brooke or Giannis underneath the basket was really, really good today. The the Nets, I think, only shot around 50% at the rim compared to 65% for their season. So I just thought all in all, defensively, as, as impressive as Giannis was, I thought all in all it was one of the better defensive performances of the year. Yeah, and Brooke had five blocks, which I think under which showed how good he was on a, as a help side defender. This was probably not the series that you want Brooke Lopez going out there too, too much just because <laughs> – we, you know, it's going to be tough unless DeAndre Jordan is out there. It's going to be tough for them to keep up with the Nets. But with P.J. Tucker, we saw a lot of small ball. Bud actually ended with small ball with P.J. at the five, even though he had five fouls, which I think shows that Bud is willing to do it. And that's good to know that in that situation, he did decide we're going to have P.J. Tucker. He was trying to do offense, defense switches with him and Pat Connaughton. So we saw he was trying to get the small ball lineup out there. We He saw the matchup opportunities. And overall, I think there's just less overhelping that in this game compared to others. Now, part of that might be when Kyrie or KD has the ball, you kind of feel confident that they're going to get their shots up and they're going to make it. So it's easier to focus on them compared to, you know, against the Hornets or the Hawks. There's a lot of ball moves. There's a lot of other guys that can maybe do something. While the Nets, it's kind of KD, Kyrie, and maybe Joe Harris lurking around or Landry Shamet, 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 whatever, off the bench. But I think it was a lot less overhelping. You know, Dante wasn't gambling as much as he normally does. Pat Connaughton wasn't gambling as much as he normally does. It felt as though Chris was really good defensively, at least in the first half. And I think that has to be mentioned because I feel like Chris, he's not as good of a defender as he was, but he played really well defensively. So it was good to see Milwaukee's defense hold its own enough that it didn't, if they had saved. Kevin Durant hits that three to send it overtime and they lost. I don't know how much of that could have been a defensive collapse compared to the other games this previous week. It just felt as though Milwaukee did what it needed to defensively to get itself in a position to win. I think the way that the Bucks were playing defense tonight, the only we could have probably kept Brooklyn to zero points had Thanasis also played. That's literally the only that was the ingredient we were probably missing. Um <laughs> I, I think the points about the fact that it's such, especially if James Harden is out, it's going to be such a run through Kyrie and Katie sort of situation, but um, valuable to know that you have guys like Drew or you guys ha- have a guy like PJ. And I think given the personnel and probably the way that Bud is coaching them, it's very much like, for God's sake, please don't, don't like try Dante. Don't dive in to help PJ with KD. stay home. PJ, we traded, 30 years of first round pick so that PJ will stand in front of, let him do his job. That's what he's there for. And I think the other thing I like from tonight, we'll see again in the future. If, if we face them in the playoffs and if like James Harden is back, how that's going to mix things up. But PJ had some time guarding Kevin Durant. Drew holiday had some time guarding Kevin Durant. Chris Middleton had some time guarding Kevin Durant. So it wasn't so much necessarily like, okay, we only have one KD stopper or one guy that we feel confident who's going to be able to get in there and at least try and like, knock him off his balance a little bit. A whole bunch of different guys got in there, but even mixing in different assignments, it wasn't the mixing in didn't throw everybody off of like, Oh, well now maybe I'll help out now. Uh, and, and I think that was valuable to see. And again, we'll see. It's hard to really say how much I think it'll still, those principles will hold even if Harden comes back because yes, it adds another dangerous ball handler, but the principle is still the same of like, you have to f- focus on these three guys 
and work around that. But for tonight's purposes, I mean, Kevin Durant still had what, like 40 some odd points. So he was still tough to stop, but all things considered to give a couple of guys some experience and each of them had moments that were positive takeaways, especially against Durant, I thought was valuable for the team. Yeah. And you look five turnovers for Durant. They definitely got in his pocket four turnovers for Irving, only one for Giannis. I mean, that was huge. That's huge for him to only have one turnover in a game that, that he used that much usage. There, just some of the, some of the stuff Tucker was doing, we just, I just felt like we saw a lot more advanced defensive stuff than we've been seeing recently. So like, you'll see, if you go to, there, there was a great sequence in the two minute mark of the second quarter where Tucker's guarding Durant, Forbes is on the floor, Tuck, Durant calls for a screen, Tucker, they, you know, they've been switching stuff almost the whole game. And then all of a sudden Tucker, you know, Tucker is like, all right, here's the deal, Forbes. You need to not switch at all right now. I'm going to fight through this with all of my strength mm-hmm. and ensure that this won't happen. Durant drives, gets it to Irving on a cut, and Connaughton comes in from the weak side and blocks him and doesn't allow him to get a score. I mean, that's that's the defense working at its best. And I really like what you said, Riley, about the even when they were doing different players on Durant and the defense was clearly switching and assignments were switching everyone still sort of knew where they were supposed to be. That didn't throw them off their game. We didn't see a whole lot of Giannis on Durant. We saw him obviously made that amazing block. Um, And, you know, if people are calling for that, the the main reason it works a lot better with Giannis as the help defender is one, he can, he can make weak side blocks and help out with all that kind of stuff. But also Durant will just call for a screen and I do not trust Giannis to get through any of those screens (laughs) and like fight through it. And I think it would just absolutely wreck us if, if he tries to have him as the primary defender. And that's why he's not the primary defenders. You just have him be on the other def- other player. And then when they switch, Giannis is all of a sudden guarding Durant and they've already done a screen and hopefully he doesn't call for another and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, really, really good defensive stuff from the whole team tonight. Um, I'm trying to think what else was, what else was interesting about this game? I think the late game... I think the late game execution, it's been something that has plagued Milwaukee a lot this season. I mean, how we saw it in both good and bad earlier this week. And I think this was, was it perfect? No. I think right at the end where they had the final shot with the shot clock and the game clock, they could have probably done something better, called the timeout even <laughs> before Chris heaved it from 36 feet. They could have called the timeout beforehand and maybe decided, okay, we're going to draw something up. But, you know, there are definitely a couple plays where Milwaukee did everything it needed to. Like on that amazing block Giannis had on Durant. They got the block. It just happened to end up at a Brooklyn player's feet. And then they were able to swing it to Kyrie and he was able to hit a three. Like you can't really compl- – Brooklyn got a lot of lucky bounces mm-hmm. after good play from Milwaukee. That's kind of tough to handle, but – Overall, I think the late game execution was pretty good. Pat Connaughton hit the timely three, and that was off of an offensive rebound that Milwaukee had gotten because Giannis got doubled. He kicked it out to Connaughton, who then passed it to Dante, who was open in the corner for three. Yeah, Dante is struggling, but an open corner three with him, that's a good shot to take. He missed it, but then Milwaukee gets the rebound. Giannis gets it. He's able to kick it back out to Connaughton, who's able to hit the three. They were just able to make the plays that they needed to. And I don't know. I I would I haven't seen the advanced stats. I haven't seen how many points, quote unquote, points in a clutch they had. But Middleton had a couple good drives, and he had that floater laid on. I felt like Giannis was able to get a couple baskets. Like I say, Connaughton's three was there, and it just felt like Milwaukee offensively made the plays they needed to. 
And defensively, they played good enough defense. You know, Dante gets a hand in Katie's face near the end. Katie misses that. They're able to take free throws. Again, they're just a lot of plays where Milwaukee did what it needed to. Granted, could be better. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. But I think after the week they had to show the resilience and to make the plays late down the stretch, that was encouraging to see. Yeah, there's something weird about Budenholzer. I know he's experimenting this year, but I didn't, when I was thinking of like do something different, I didn't imagine him being like taking a huge rip off the bong and being like, let's just do hero ball to close the games. Like, cause that's between this is like seriously the Phoenix game all over again. It was like, okay, it's just one of these guys is going to call his number. In this case, it happened to be Chris and a similar situation. Chris loses his dribble. He's like dashing, trying to get back into position. He just like heaves something. It wasn't as bad as Giannis just falling on himself after calling his number, but probably need to do something a little bit more than just like hero ball to close the game. So, but otherwise, um, it, we didn't close the game necessarily. We survived, which is an improvement over previous games where we weren't, <laughs> we didn't survive at all. We just lost outright. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure if I would say that our late game execution, it was a lot of like tough shot making, especially from Chris. Um, I know he got that. I think, I don't know if he made it and got the four point play on Blake Griffin kind of in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter. Um, he had a couple of like just dribble moves to get himself a little bit of space. So it was a lot of like tough shot making, which is fine in a, in a game like this. Um, and, and Kyle's point earlier about like, if you look at the box score and how little the non big three for Milwaukee scored, if you look at the first game against the Nets, it was the same situation. So like Giannis scored 34, Drew 22, Chris 25, uh, everybody else scored in the single digits. I, I think Brooke had like 15, but literally everybody else is useless. So that might just be the reality for this if we ha- play this team this series um, because even though Brooklyn doesn't necessarily have anything uh, available to like really throw at Giannis I think they're I don't know if it's something about like Dante or Brooke just kind of like schematically if he's not making threes he just kind of gets played off the floor in general he just doesn't contribute a lot more um, the couple of times he did go inside or like try to dribble it didn't go well for him and I appreciate that we're trying that a little bit more recently but it's still not like a super strong part of this game right now. And so um, I, I don't know. I, I think this would be such a drag out fight where it's like, okay, are our big three good enough to be your big three, which is what this, like the whole NBA is all about. So I think people will really be into it. I'm just scared of like getting there and being like, Oh, oops. Turns out our big three probably isn't good enough. That'd be, that'd be kind of a bit of a body blow to like go through this whole season, hyping ourselves up. And then we just get totally pants. I, I don't know if we get pants, but like that would be, a rough emotionally series, I think, to have to watch. Like, okay, let's hope Chris and Drew show up. I think Drew, um, he was okay tonight. Offensively, a couple of choices. The lineups um, and the rotations for Budenholzer were pretty good all night. I think uh, the responses he had, um, not necessarily always reacting to just what Brooklyn was doing, but trying to impose like our own style as well. But um, a couple of times where he just left Drew out with four subs. There was only a couple of minutes, but it was like, I think Drew was like, well, I have to create something and it's just some ugly like step back threes. So if we could reduce those, that'd be great. There was a couple of blown layups, things like that, which are pretty uncharacteristic for him. Um, and then Dante, I don't think scored a single point. So I don't know if you guys want to have the come to Jesus moment about Dante or just leave it be for now or what? I'll have it. He, yes, <laughs> he is struggling. Okay, great. This, I think the funny thing is everyone's like, Dante needs to go. It's like, well, they tried that. Milwaukee freaking tried that. And Adam Silver <laughs> said, no, that's not happening. So 
it's not like we're trying to keep Dante because we think he's going to be this like NBA all-star like great player. Like, no, they tried upgrading on Dante. It didn't work. He started the season well. He started really, really well the first couple months. Then he hit a slump. Lately, he hasn't been playing that well. I don't know how much of that is his toe injury. I don't know how much of that is just him not finding a rhythm. But whatever. It, it, I'm not automatically. I guess the thing is, what pe- what were people expecting with Dante? His ceiling has always been solid starter on a championship team. That is his ceiling. He is not there. Right now, he'd probably be best suited as six man on a contender. That's what we were hoping that he was last year. He did great in that role, but then they lost Wes Matthews and he got inserted into the starting lap. Like, I don't, yes, he is struggling. He needs to make better decisions, but there were some shots that he had that just, they didn't go it. Like I said, the open corner three didn't go it. So be it. There was a pull up that he decided to do early in the shot clock when Giannis and Chris were on the floor. That was really stupid on him. Like, don't do that, Dante. You know better. But I think he's going to be fine. I think. It's just what expectations you have of him. Offensively, he is struggling. Defensively, he's been fine. Again, he didn't overhelp like he normally did tonight, which I think is a drastic improvement than what he's been doing the last couple months. So it's a fifth starter. You, you know, if, yes, obviously against a team like Brooklyn, you're going to need all of your players to be efficient and help out as much as possible. But it's also a fifth starter. And if he was on Philly or Brooklyn or, you know, over out West, They'd be, I I think people, we would probably be looking at like, oh, that's kind of nice of Dante to be able to do all the things that he's doing on this contending team. So I think it's just, you know, Dante is now the new whipping boy. Dante is now the person that Buck Sweater is going to be mad at. And it's been a rotating door. You know, it started with Giannis and Pat. Then it got, I think the only people that haven't gotten to that stage is Drew and Bobby Portis. Everyone else at some point, other, and I'm not including PJ Tucker because he literally just got here. Everyone else has been some, you know, target for Buck Twitter to be pissed off at. Right now it's Dante. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll turn around and be okay at best. Meh. meh. I think he'll be, get back to at least be meh and not be bad like he is right now. The main issue is Eric Bledsoe left and he's like, somebody needs to be the unreasonable heat check guy that nobody asked for. He's like, that's my role now. I th- I'm sure Eric probably got in his DMs or texted him. He's like, hey, hey, bro, little bro. I'm sure he called him little bro. Hey, little bro, it's on you now. That's all he said. And Dante was like, it's time for me to take pot, like <laughs> pull up threes and transition to- with 22 seconds on the shot clock when nobody asked for it. And he's doing that a- you know, at a pretty decent clip so far this season. I can't imagine he's making a lot of them. Look, there's still time for Portis to get some burn, okay, come postseason. I really – I I'm curious to see how he looks in the Brooklyn matchup. I oh. kind of like them going a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious to what it's going to look like on Tuesday when he's in there. Um, he's obviously been awesome. He gives him some juice, and that's great. The whole Dante thing – I thought he was. This was one of his better defensive games in a long time. He wasn't doing the overhelping, which is just so freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason he's in there. He's in there, you know, because of his defense. The overhelping is just so clearly the things that always stand out to us. Like very, I think very few of us are able to pick apart NBA defenses on a game to game to game to game basis. And so the overhelping is just so egregious. It's so easy to call out. So I, I certainly. It's annoying. It's annoying to me. So I can't blame people for getting frustrated with it. I, 
he does like to do the unconscious heat check, which also Brent Forbes really likes to do as well, but he happens to be making way yeah, more. I was going to say, right there's now. a big difference between the two, slight okay, but he, critical. He, he has been doing like a ton of crazy one-footed mid-range pull-ups, oh which like are fine when they're going in, but I, I am just waiting for the game when they don't, and I can just be a little frustrated at him about that. And that's kind of where my thought, like a lot of people are saying, we'll start Bryn Forbes instead of Dante. It's like, well, they're going to target Bryn Forbes defensively. He's going to get Mm -hmm. exposed. And yes, he's making shots and it is great to see. But kind of like what you're saying, Bryn Forbes is shooting the same type of stuff that Dante does. He just actually makes it. So it's fine. If you want to go for more offensive firepower with the starters, I understand why you would want Bryn Forbes to start. But don't get mad at Dante doing all these heat checks. And then turn around and say Brent Forbes needs to start when Brent Forbes literally does all those heat checks with the bench unit. Like, no, you can't have that argument. Is Brent Forbes having the greatest journeyman contract year in all of NBA history? He's going to get paid unreasonable amounts of money by somebody. And like some of the shots he's taking and making the like, he'll get it. He'll like do a ball screen and just like dash in like really quick and just like, he doesn't even set up. So it's crazy watching him with the ball and he does not like moving the ball on, which is fine. Cause he's shoot. I'm, I can only imagine what his true shooting percentage is, but he's making a lot of jumpers. Um, but he does not like when the, like getting rid of the ball once he gets it to him. So I think there would definitely be parts of having, it's just Dante's ill luck to be like, he's the like weak fifth starter. You have to have a center and Bobby, as much as everybody loves him, he's perfectly suited in his role and Brooke is fine as him in his. So of course everybody's like, well, time to pick on it. And Dante has had moments where it's like, I don't know what this guy is doing out here, but like tonight or in the Nets game in particular, um, the point about like the hustle stuff, there were a lot of different moments where like, even if it doesn't translate necessarily the box score, either positioning wise or like hustling, diving on the floor, things like that. You know, you want your fifth starter, like young dude who can get banged up to be doing all that. Um, and he did all that. So if he continues with that, wonderful. And just doesn't get caught out like on game winning plays over helping. That's all, you know, if you can avoid that, you'll be fine, Dante. Yeah, Britain's going to get a fat contract from like, the Kings or the Rockets, like some average to bad team is going to pay him a lot of money this summer. This was also, this is also one of those games where you, you don't need any of the additional, not that we always want Dante to do the additional stuff that he can do, you know, like can kind of drive can kind of, you know, hasn't finished at the rim at all this year. I'm, I'm a little (laughs) dubious of how low it is personally. Like it is incredibly low and he was fine last year. So I'm not sure that's necessarily going to hold, but like in a game where they're not doubling Giannis, they're not really doubling any of the buck stars and you don't need like someone else on the team to be able to give you a little bit of juice. Like Giannis could get his whenever he wanted. Chris could get his whenever he wanted in the games where like they throw walls and they throw doubles at people. Then you kind of need someone else who can do a little bit more because um, they're going to stick to Forbes. Like they're definitely going to stick to Forbes and, and Dante might give you just a little bit of juice. So this one, this like wasn't really a game where you need him to do anything offensively. Although it would have been nice if he had made one shot. Yes. Yeah. If he could yeah. score some points, I would love that. I would love to be able to use that to defend him. He is not scoring. It's kind of hard to defend him when that's happening, but he's going to be meh. It's fine. It will improve to a meh level. And we'll all just bemoan when he drives. But you know what? He'll hit a couple threes at least. At least he didn't like keep shooting. He like missed five. He's like, all right, that's it. I, I'm not going to keep shooting. Now, my Sometimes one more you question. you got to know when to stop. <laughs> my, my one more question for you guys that I have. So the rotation, the, the big missing piece would have been Bobby Portis in this case. 
Was there anything about the rotation? Um, it, so I can just read off who all played. So obviously the starters, PJ, 20, or yeah, 23 minutes for PJ, 11 minutes for Jeff T, 24 for Pat, and 19 for Brid Forbes. So what all, I know, Adam, you said you kind of like them going a little bit smaller. Is there anything about the rotation if Bobby was available, like everybody was healthy, you would change? Maybe less Jeff Teague minutes because Drew mm-hmm. played like what 36 something minutes. Like Drew played a lot of minutes. Yeah, he played 36. A, yep. And now go up in the playoffs. So probably less Jeff Teague just with the assumption that Drew's going to be on the floor more and Giannis is going to be on the floor more. Like other guys will be on the floor more. So you probably don't need Jeff Teague as much. I guess that would be my only adjustment because I feel like PJ Tucker, you want him getting like 20 something minutes, Pat Connaughton. Playing okay enough that 20-something minutes is fine. Brid Forbes, if he's hitting shots, let him keep going. So, yeah, I guess Jeff T would be the guy I would probably give less minutes to for Bobby Portis. But I don't know. I feel like Budenholz is going to go with like a 9-10 to 10 man rotation. Yeah, I'm I'm a little curious. I could see Portis getting some run because there were definitely some. Like if when Blake Griffin is in, you could definitely see some of the old pick and pop on the zone drop tendencies that, that reared their ugly head. It didn't necessarily necessarily turn into anything too awful. Uh, I, I would agree about a few less Jeff Teague minutes probably in this matchup in particular. Once again, going back to my previous point, like they're not forcing our stars to not get what they want. Like Giannis can get whatever he wants. It's in games where they're really, really forcing them out of their comfort zone that you need someone else who might be able to dribble in and potentially get a bucket. So I would probably alleviate some of those minutes. I really just don't want fewer minutes to go to – PJ Tucker. I like that he used five fouls, mm-hmm. uh, even though, you know, it's a little counterintuitive, but I really like that he did that. I think I would be very fearful of, of Portis getting switched onto <laughs> Kevin Durant. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I would change too much with it. I think he, I think the insertion of, of Portis can alleviate some of the Teague minutes, but there, there's no one else who I, who I need to see any minutes from. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of I thought uh, not only good on P.J. Tucker to use the five fouls, good on Mike Boonholzer to uh, keep putting him back out there. Because I think there have been times in the past where like, oh, well, we don't want to lose P.J. or whatever. So then you let him sit for like extended period of times. And then you're like, oh, well, we'll kind of just like run with this group. And then the opportunity passes. So credit to you, Mike Boonholzer, for tossing P.J. back out there, even when he had foul trouble. Um, I kind of want to see Bobby Portis out there just to run – uh, Blake Griffin's raggedy ass around the court, like catch up to this and transition. That would be kind of nice to watch. But um, yeah, and I, I can't remember in the first game. I think Bobby had like eight points when I was looking at the box score. So it's like he was fine. I can't really remember if he stood out necessarily. And again, another difficulty with uh, the Nets is I generally I have no idea what their uh, rotation is. And because so many guys are banged up, I'm like, I don't even know who plays like backup bigs like Blake Griffin. I know, but like who else really? like Jeff Teague a couple of minutes, I guess, or something. So um, I'm not sure really personnel wise, but I would agree a fewer, a little fewer Jeff Teague minutes in this sort of situation um, there. The Nets aren't doing any sort of like ball denial whatsoever. If you needed a guy who could like semi-competently do an entry pass to Giannis, that's one thing, but because they're not going to like try and deny Giannis whatsoever. And it's just be like, all right, Deandre man up. <laughs> Good luck in there. Uh, if that's going to be the case, then you probably don't need Jeff Teague all that much, which is fine. So that would be the big changes, but it's just curious. Well, a nice win doesn't mean anything, but it does count as a win. So now the Bucks also played 
four other games this last week. Ugh. I would say almost, yeah, there you know what, that's <laughs> all I need to say. Anything of note from the loss to the Hawks, wins against the Bulls and Hornets, and the loss to the Rockets, uh, Kyle. I'm not even joking when I say each of the, it was the same game every single time this week. <laughs> it was the same type of sludging, boring, I don't even want to watch this crap anymore. Like, it is may i'm sick of doing like it's late april early may i don't want to do this shit anymore <laughs> every game was the same pattern milwaukee either had a giant lead or had to battle back it was close and then come the fourth quarter one or fourth quarter second half one team would get red hot and either milwaukee loses like they did against the hawks and the rockets or they win like they did against the hornets or the bulls it was the same game every single time like every time some team, like the other team, got hot in the third or fourth quarter, and you're kind of just wondering, well, all right, it is what it is. And it did annoy me. I, I think it was Brian at Bucks Film Room. He said, like, oh, the Bucks are doing their typical blowing, like, a big lead. It's like, well, the big lead was in the first half. Like, at this point in today's NBA, no lead is safe if it's built in the first half. Like, it, it's with how many teams shoot threes. This is dumb. And, like, the Hornets, they withstood the rally. They closed it out. The Hawks, that was a complete defensive collapse. That, that was just bad. The Rockets, that was a bad defensive collapse that they had. The Bulls, they held on. It's the same, It was the same game, and I don't know. I feel like if you're trying to use this argument of, oh, the Bucks can't hold fourth court, like, big leads, it's like, I don't know what to tell you, because sometimes they hold on and sometimes they don't. So it's kind of a stupid point to make, but whatever. I It was the same type of game. There's nothing really special. Giannis was out. And the Bulls game, it got hurt and like the first minute of the Rockets game. I guess that's like the only significant thing to mention, but I don't know. It was a drag watching all these games. The uh, the big things that I noted were um, we really struggled to punish really any team that goes small whatsoever. And the reason it seems like we struggle with that is not literally, it, maybe it's still a skill taught to people, but it doesn't seem like it. Literally nobody is able to do an entry pass. Like, Brooke Lopez would go down low against a guy who literally was seven inches shorter than him. And we'd be like, uh, uh, how do I, Brooke, you, can you get the ball? For, it was it was awful to watch us struggle to get the ball to anybody inside the post if, like, the other team was sort of, like, had their hands up. So it's really good. Um, I think this week drove home the fact that I'm so thankful that Philly does like is forced to play big ball because of Joel Embiid and uh, the Nets because um, KD and Kyrie are best friends. DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan plays 48 minutes. I think those I'm so thankful for that because we're not going to necessarily have to deal with like a small ball nightmare unless like the other teams up against the wall. Um, The other thing was maybe a little wistful watching DJ Wilson out there put up a double double. I was like. You know, I, I think I remember. Did he ever do it? Put up a double double as a buck? Did that ever happen? Maybe in summer league, in non summer league minutes, did that ever happen? Kai, I see. I see how Kyle's pulling up. Um, so <laughs> the only thing was, uh, I know everybody was freaking out because we lost to the Rockets. It, I just think how typical of this team to come in here. We beat the Nets on Sunday. Um, we'll we'll survive like a comeback from the Hornets, and then we'll lose to like by far the worst team in the league uh, by like you know a pretty decent margin. I um, mean, give up Kevin Porter Jr. once Buck former Buck revenge game puts up fifty, and then I think he goes on. Somebody, was he on Kenyon Martin's Instagram live? Kind of a random uh, Instagram live to be a part of. And he was like, "Did you see me like dragging Drew's raggedy ass around or something?" I was like, "Man, 
that that really happened this week. So I think that really encapsulated it. Former Buck for two seconds. Here we go. Kyle's face is telling me something. I have found a double double DJ Wilson game. He Wilson had against. 18 points and 17 rebounds. Win. The Bucks lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder 127-116. DJ Wilson played 46 minutes. I think this is the game Tim Frazier played literally every minute. Uh. <laughs> because Giannis did not play, Brooke did not play, Eric Bledsoe did not play, Tony Snell did not play, Chris Middleton played like 17 minutes. Bud literally ran eight guys out there. The starting lineup was Tim Frazier, DJ Wilson, Bonzi Colson, Urson, along with Chris, and then the bench players that played was George Hill, Sterling Brown, and Pat Connaughton. This game That's was also good. late April, like April 10th. So this might have this was the last game of the season. So I think it was just a we don't want to risk anyone big getting hurt. So let's just throw the bench out there. And that <sighs> is um, a DJ Wilson double double game. Very good. Uh, so anyway, so this week was very, uh, very typical of like regaining the late season. We were talking before we've been recorded. It's like I think everybody's sort of like over the regular season. There's a lot of games they have to play, all that sort of stuff. So uh, pretty typical of them to win a couple of games and lose to like the worst team in the league and then beat the Nets the following weekend. So I don't, that was kind of the only big thing. So they, like Kyle said, they were kind of slogs to go through. Yeah, they were. They were tough. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't – I just can't get that fired up over any of these. I, I get that we don't want the team to take stuff very cavalierly, but – I'm also a little bit down on our chances of if we were the number one seed, I might get a little more annoyed, but I'm kind of like, well, I'm not totally sold on us as definitely like we're winning the championship this year. So I'm not quite as annoyed knowing that clearly this team has some faults. I'm not sure whether they'll overcome them in the playoffs, but I'm not still not going to learn very much from Kevin Porter Jr. Who I have, I watched that game this morning. I have no idea how, I, through the first two quarters, I had no idea how he got 50 because I thought he looked absolutely atrocious. Like he was turning it over, it looked terrible as a point guard, and then he just somehow they just kept hitting shots over. He and caught over fire and over. in the second half. Like every other game, they caught fire <laughs> in the second half. Like Kevin Porter Jr. was hitting some insane shots. Like it was not like it wasn't great losing to the Rockets, especially when he still had Drew and Chris playing enough minutes. And it looked like at one point Drew might have gotten things back together and held it enough for Milwaukee in the fourth quarter. It it was not it was just an ugly loss. Just it was a matter of how they just seemed like they're incapable of putting together two good basketball plays in the fourth quarter from everyone not named Drew Holiday. Hundred percent agree. Only thing I'll say is the Bulls game. Uh, had some very fun Brooke Lopez highlights. I know nobody on earth actually watched it. It had a one Nielsen rating, but like he was hey, dunking I, all over them. Someone paid attention for a half. Uh, okay, 1.5. And we had a Chris and poster. The That's true. Chris poster was great. The Brooke, there's some crazy dunk he did over like Vucevic. Thanasis tried to take Daniel Tice's head off as is tradition. And Vucevic went like seven of 27, including one of nine from three, which was just delightful regression given what he did to the Bucks last postseason. So, and that's 12 straight against the Bulls. So those sad sack Bulls. We need to get those guys out here. Did you see that, that highlight from earlier in the week at Denzel Valentine ruining that <laughs> they were coming up. They like got the rebound. They were down five and he, he did the old Dante heat check and the announcer was like, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> right then they should have been like, we're just moving this to Seattle. We need to get rid of the Bulls. What a sad sack franchise those guys are. 
Oh, God. All right. Well, if you want more analysis on those games, maybe go to Bruhu. I maybe go to Bruhu. <laughs> there might be some articles about there you can read. So, but we're gonna we're gonna call it quits for now on those. Go to our miscellaneous topics and close it out. So, stay tuned. All right, we're back. Riley, take it away. Rapid fire. Yes, we got some rapid fire this week. So, first one. Uh, what was your go-to number if you could pick your go-to number in youth sports? Fourteen. 21. Any uh, any significance behind them, or you just like them? I had 14 for volleyball, so that was always... Yeah, I think I always had 14 for volleyball, and when I played basketball when I was younger, so... Yeah, I think that... I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nothing special, I guess. Okay. I'm not actually sure if I wore the number 21. I think I, I, think I was close to it, though, so clearly no personal connection <laughs> to anything there. <laughs> I was just like, just in case I turn out to be like a like a Pat Connaughton esque six sport all star. That way, my parents can recognize me across all the sports for uh, all the numbers. Yeah, for basketball uh, for varsity, I was thirty two, and I think I was thirty two junior and senior year. I was thirty junior sophomore year, and then I was like fifty freshman year. Like it was like I had weird numbers for basketball, but volleyball and every youth sport before, I always had fourteen. You were like the Urson of your team. You're like, I'll take double zero, zero, seventy seven. <laughs> like all over the place. Fit me without it looking super baggy as hell on my skinny <laughs> ass frame. <laughs> okay. Uh what would you guess Giannis's three point percentage is this year? I'll give you so last year it was thirty point four. The year before it was like twenty five point six. And it is better than those two. So he is shooting better this year. My gut wants to say like thirty three. Okay. I was going to say 31.6. He's shooting 30.5% from three. So one-tenth oh. of a percent uh, better than he did a year ago. But oh, I think wow. he's shooting slightly better recently. He shot really well today. Again, I don't really want Giannis to fall too in love. It was great that he shot that well against the Nets today. But every time I was like, oh, and it just happened to work out today. But don't fall too in love with it, Giannis. Um all right, so that '90s alter- alt uniform with the deer head and everything—they—they they finally they've acquiesced to the wishes of Bucks Twitter. They're bringing it back next year, but it's a jersey like the the like couple years ago where they were trying to do the sleeve jerseys. Are you buying the '90s alternate Redux with if it is a jersey jersey? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, a million percent. I I still haven't figured out how to wear. Jersey properly, I basically have to go like the John Henson route because otherwise, I I just don't think it looks good. Kyle's wearing one now and it looks good, but I, I just don't trust it on my body. I was gonna say like it. I'm only doing this because I haven't left my house, so like I, <laughs> when, I'm at, when I'm at home, it's totally fine. I, no one's there to judge me besides my wife, and you know what? She decided to marry me anyway. Like that's on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I, was, I think I'd probably be a you know like a long sleeve or like a sweatshirt. I think that's the only way I would wear it out in public. Like, I would need, like, a hoodie, sweatshirt, or a long sleeve under it. It felt like the the Shirzy jerseys were, like, sort of a good idea, but they were just way too form-fitting. I was like, you're the idea with the jerseys as they are now is, like, you can get a bigger size and it'll just kind of, like, lay on you properly. It doesn't look bad. Like, you want a shirt underneath. The Shirzy, there's no room for in between. You got to be in, like, good shape to pull that off. Although it, It's sort of like soccer kits sometimes. Yeah. They're, like, Puma. really Puma soccer kits. <laughs> you're like, you have to be in peak physical condition to make this look good otherwise do not try it and as like wisconsin sports fans probably not like the angle i want to go for is the form-fitting one um final question how would you describe your pickup basketball game so like you know 
you're out there, you're, you're, everybody's lined up to get picked and you get to do like a little audition of like, here's what I bring to your team to whatever guy is picking the team. How would you describe your game? I am, I will defend. I will rebound. I don't want the ball in my hand. I don't want to shoot. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm down low, fine. I'll try some post moves, but keep the ball out of my hands as much as possible. I can only shoot three pointers. I, I should not be allowed to dribble. <laughs> I really, that's about it. That's literally all I'm good for. And quite frequently, those shots will still get blocked. But that's that's literally it. You're going to have to like run like four off-ball drag screens to get me open. But I might make it. <laughs> I do. I just run a lot. So I'm really good in like transition. And I, I have to get be in the game for like three or four games in a row for me to be really impactful. Otherwise, I'm totally useless. But once other people get tired because I run so much, I'm like, I'm still good to go. And that's where I get to shine. So if you can get me to the fourth quarter, I'll just outrun people. Otherwise, I'm totally useless. So yeah, see, so that's, that's why I start tailing off. That's why I said, don't give me the ball because I'm not going to want to do a lot of work. <laughs> that, that shot's going up. It's going to be ugly. I can't shoot. I feel like we have a pretty good makings of a pickup team here. So uh, the brew hoop team will have to... We, we just need a point guard. <laughs> That's what Mitchell's there for. Mitchell's the point guard. Yeah, he seems like he would distribute. All right. Well, <laughs> good to go. We'll, we'll, we'll ask him after. All right. Time for a film review. All right. So recent movie. I think it literally just came out like a week ago. Mortal Kombat. Um, it's on HBO Max. <laughs> How you feel about this movie is the expectations you have going in. If you are expecting a movie with a plot and some character development and the sword, <laughs> this is not your movie. Absolutely. You will be very disappointed. You will be pissed off at this movie. If you just want dumb violence and chaos, this is great. I, I had a good time watching it. It's Mortal Kombat. I don't know what you're expecting out of that movie, but I, I enjoyed it. I give it a 6.5, but I can understand if you go in hoping that it's, you know, like a fleshed out of all these characters, which are badass. <laughs> you're going to be very disappointed. If you just want dumb violence and some cool moments, this is going to be good. It's not like I said, HBO Max, it's a good put it on and don't have to pay too much attention to it type of movie. Were you a fan of like the video game franchise? Do yeah. You play the video? Okay. So do you think that would help as well? Like going in, like, you know, the characters and stuff. I think that also helps is if you played the video games in the past, or if you're aware of like some of the video game characters, it will benefit. So I think there is some slight nostalgia and bias there. But even if you were just like, I kind of like it linking it to a Fast and Furious movie. If you just want to go in for dumb shit, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. If you if you want a well thought out movie, don't you're going to waste your time. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kyle. Good recommendation. All right. Riley's <laughs> oh, God, back man. with the Fountain Pen Ink review. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I was just going through. Uh, I actually have a couple of new inks, but we're just be doing one today. Um it's not, you're not going to see the ink color, but I'll show you, or the ink name, but I'll show you a sample here for you guys. I can, there we go. Mm. So it's a, it's Robert Oster, a good friend from Down Under, who I'm sure is listening. Uh, it's his Red Candy. Um, it's like a, it has some pop to it, but it's a very subdued red. Um, I'm using it with a medium nib right now, so it's putting down a lot. Um, it's been a while since I had a red. This one's on the darker side. I like it for, it's more useful for like everyday writing. Um, it's not like super decorative. It's not like, oh, that's, that's a really cool red. It's kind of like a base dark red, but solid. Um, yeah, nothing too much to write home, but for, for a red ink, it gets the job done. So I'm okay with it. Thank you, Mr. Oster. 
Thank you, Mr. Oster. Quick question, Riley. Is that the one that you wrote in your letter to me? Is that, that the is, same yeah, thing? That's the one. So and you, you'll have to let me know because it'll age too over time because the first it'll like kind of be one in color. Then over time, it'll like I'm looking at some samples of stuff now that I wrote in other inks. And it does like get a little bit lighter, a little bit darker. You'll see like a little bit more where the ink is laying down over time. So that would have been the ink I wrote to you too. Cool. I did get it. I have not opened it yet, but I did get it in the mail yesterday. Very good to know. Robert Oster, coming through again. All right, predictions. Tuesday, they face the Brooklyn Nets again. Wednesday versus the Wizards. And then Friday, a rematch against the Houston Rockets. What say you? What's your prediction, Kyle? I'll say two and one. I think they fall to Brooklyn. I I just have a feeling that Brooklyn game is going to be a little bit different. You know, I don't think Giannis is going to shoot as well with his jump shot as he did the last game. He's still going to get his points, but I, I think he's not going to, you know, shoot as well as he did. I think Kyrie's going to have a little bit of a better game. So I think Brooklyn, it'll be close, but I think Brooklyn edges it. And then they beat Washington and Houston. I think they're going to want to feel better after getting embarrassed by Houston last week. They're going to want some revenge. And Washington's a weird team that now they're possibly in the play-in game scenario. So may, they'll have a little bit to play for, but... I think Milwaukee can get the job done. So I will say two and one. I think they'll also go. Actually, no, I think they'll go one and two. They'll win the Nets game because I think we're treating these as like the Sixers games where it's like we're just going all out. doesn't matter. They could sit KD and Kyrie. We're like for our own morale purposes, we're going to go all out and try and win that. Um, I think Washington, this is sort of a similar thing. They're going to have more to play for um, because they're right in the edge. Now, I don't think. Chicago because they're only um, I think they're like three games behind in the, in the standings but um, <laughs> there's somebody stepping in on the podcast right now um, so anyways I think they're gonna beat uh, the Nets they'll lose against the Wizards and I think uh, we will also lose the Rockets again because that's just how things roll so uh, I'm gonna go two and one I think the <laughs> I'm gonna go two and one. I think they'll, I think they'll lose to the to the Wizards. It'll be annoying. So, all right. Anyway, that'll do it. Thanks for listening to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode ninety five. Go to brewhoop.com for all our coverage. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends, and we will be back again soon. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>